Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is May 28th, 2020. June is almost here, and so it begins. We have a lot going on, a lot of, uh, um, I want to say, false flag-ish type plant things to keep us divided. Uh, You know, I didn't see much riots going on when that, uh, you know, uh, person was beating up on the elderly. I didn't see any riots going on there where he's been beating up on the elderly. I didn't see any riots going on when in Minneapolis, the Somali Muslim American police officer responded to two 911 calls by a woman. And when he rolled up right by her and she was like, thank God you're here. He shot her. Cold blood murder. No riots there either. But we see riots here to something that almost feels in a very creepy way fixed. And it just makes me sick to my stomach, but I wouldn't put it past them. Look what they have done to us. They've locked us up in our homes. They've terrorized us, telling us that we're going to die if we go outside. They've convinced the population that masks will help them and that they're good for them and that they must wear them because this is how you protect each other. Yet the mask does nothing of that sort. So... (laughs) They will stop at nothing to make sure that they can take the power back. Uh, They are trying to um, uh, steal the elections with the uh, ballots being mailed out. I mean, you know, California, 112% of the people were sent out ballots. I thought 100% means all of them. We're at 112, which is pure insanity. And now we have, you know, Twitter playing, you know, police. Uh, We know best and we will tell you what's right and what's wrong. And so we have the thought police telling us, oh, we we just don't want people to think the wrong thing. You know, uh, Laura Loomer's uh, lawsuit, one of her lawsuits were thrown out yesterday. Uh, (laughs) I mean, you're never going to get a fair lawsuit in D.C. This is why you don't file it there. This is why you go to a conservative state and file there. You never do it in D.C. I mean, (laughs) Even Matt Whitaker said that. So let's talk about Twitter a little bit because today we're going to have a huge announcement about that. And a great commentary on big tech censorship is obviously mm, Tucker. (laughs) Let's take a listen to what he had to say yesterday. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. We'll have the latest on those riots in Minneapolis last night. And yes... They were, in fact, riots, no matter what they're telling you on the other channels. That's a fact, and we have the tape. But first tonight, we're going to state the obvious. Donald Trump tweets an awful lot. Many wish he didn't do it. He does it anyway. It's often his preferred mode of communication. Now, whether or not it's politically wise for him to do this, Donald Trump has an absolute right as an American to express what he actually thinks, even if every other person on Earth disagrees with him. When they used to tell you this was a free country, and they often said that, That's what they were talking about, the freedom of speech. Well, sadly, it's become a much less free country recently. Power has become radically concentrated in far fewer hands than at any time in the past hundred years, at least. 
And the people who wield that power have no interest whatsoever in your right to say something they disagree with. In fact, they're delighted to silence you if you try. They're not embarrassed to admit that they do this. They don't pretend anymore. Twitter, for example, now openly purges users whose political views their executives don't like. It's bewildering if you think about it that they're allowed to do this because like all the big tech companies, Twitter only exists, its CEO is only a billionaire because Twitter enjoys key exemptions from federal law, exemptions that you don't enjoy and we don't enjoy here at Fox News. It has those exemptions because Congress carved them out for the big tech companies. And that means Congress has the power to defend your free speech online. The White House does too. And yet they've done absolutely nothing so far to help you. Until yesterday, Twitter returned the favor by leaving the commander-in-chief's Twitter feed alone. And then Trump criticized mail-in voting. The president tweeted that mail-in ballots could be, quote, substantially fraudulent. Well, as a factual matter, that is true, and we can prove it. As we told you last night, mail-in ballots have been linked to numerous cases of election fraud. People have been criminally convicted for it. So it's really not up for debate. But this is an election year, and mail-in voting is now the central objective of the Democratic Party, and so you're not supposed to know any of that. Yesterday, Twitter placed a so-called fact check on the president's tweet. Quote, Trump falsely claimed that mail-in ballots would lead to a rigged election, Twitter announced. Fact checkers say there is no evidence that mail-in ballots are linked to voter fraud. End quote. Now, again, as a factual matter, that is a lie. There's no other way to interpret it. But worse than a lie, it is a form of political censorship. So who decided to do this, to censor it? Well, Yoel Roth has the Orwellian title Head of Site Integrity at Twitter, an irony-free zone where they don't understand that their titles alone are scary. That means he's one of the company's censors. Now, not surprisingly, Roth is a political activist and not an especially subtle one. In January 2017, Roth compared Kellyanne Conway to the Nazi propagandist Joseph Goebbels. That same day, he referred to the president's new staff, just moving into the White House, as actual Nazis. And a lot more. You can look up his Twitter feed if you want, assuming he hasn't pulled it down by now. So these are the people controlling what you're now allowed to think and say in America. They're authoritarians. If they're willing to censor the president, they will think nothing at all of silencing you. And they don't. They gladly do it. And no one pushes back. Traditionally, that role, the role of pushing back hard against censorship, was reserved for reporters. Their job was to safeguard the First Amendment, which is designed to protect the weak. Not the strong, the weak are protected by the freedom of speech. And journalists were supposed to care about the weak, about the public, their readers and viewers. They weren't supposed to be simply thugs hired to protect the powerful, but that's what they become. Watch Don Lemon of CNN, who in his defense often has no idea what he's saying, try to bully Twitter into censoring ideas the authorities don't care for. Twitter wouldn't remove those tweets. And they wouldn't come on the show to talk about their decision to let this disgusting smear stand. People have been removed from Twitter for far less outrageous behavior. Come on, Jack Dorsey. Stop hiding behind the First Amendment and, and for profit. Stop doing it. Do the right thing. Stop hiding behind the First Amendment, says Don Lamont. In the annals of cable news, that must be the most unintentionally hilarious line ever uttered by a script reader. As if exercising your God-given inborn right to speech and thought and conscience is somehow wrong. It's immoral. 
Don Lamont demands that you stop thinking for yourself. Fall in line, get on board, obey. Toe the party line or we'll hurt you. That's his message. And it's the mirror image of what journalists should be saying. The only reason we have a free press, there's only one, and that's to fight back against authoritarian power structures that demand we read from approved scripts. And now CNN is writing those scripts. It's terrifying. And all of a sudden, it's everywhere. Throughout April and May, YouTube, part of Google, took down any video that, quote, explicitly disputes the efficacy of global or local health authority recommended guidance. If you dared to question the decrees of the politicians, some of whom are impressive and wise, many of whom are dumb and making it up as they go along, but if you criticize them, you were censored. And many were censored for doing that. Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg recently explained why censorship isn't really bad. In fact, it saves lives. If information, if someone's spreading something that puts people at imminent risk of physical harm, then we take that down. We don't allow that on Facebook. There are also other misinformation that may not lead to physical, imminent risk of physical harm, uh, but still isn't the type of stuff we want to be spreading through our system. So this month, Facebook announced that it's expanding this effort. It announced the first 20 members of its new oversight panel. That panel will help decide which ideas can be expressed in public and which ideas must be thrown into the fireplace and forgotten forever. And you can imagine who's on the panel. It's a list of political activists and aggressive opponents of free speech. Stanford law professor Pamela Carlin headlines the group. Pamela Carlin, look her up when you have a minute. What do you think she cares about more? Safeguarding your sacred constitutional rights or keeping Donald Trump from getting reelected in the fall? That's a rhetorical question, by the way. You know the answer. Here with reaction. Yes, we do. We know the answer. The answer is that they're trying to steal the elections. Now, the five slam Twitter for using sources like CNN to fact check President Trump. But see, that's not our main concern. It's not the fact that they fact checked, right? Or they use fact checkers. They're a private company. They could do whatever they want. But when a court has deemed that the president's Twitter handle is now considered, you know, federal record, presidential records. He's not allowed to block people because it's considered a public platform where the president speaks. And then they, at the same time, say it's a public platform, say that the president is bound by not blocking people, but at the same time, you know, it's a free place, but Twitter plays publisher. It's uh, you either have 230 immunity or you don't. And so here goes. You either put everybody back on Twitter and people can use all your blocking, who can respond to your tweet, who can see your tweet. You've got all these features. So why do you need police? Why do you need the thought police? Because it was really funny how Jack was like, well, we're sorry. We just wanted to let people know how to think about these things. Wait, wait, that's a stop. You're not the thought police, right? You've got all this stuff. People are adults. They're over 13 when they're online. And they should know, you know, what to make of the information. So calm down. It's not your job unless you're a publisher. Now, if you're a publisher, huh, then you're going to get sued left and right. I mean, you got to pick. You either have everyone on there and it's a public platform or you're a publisher. I really hope that the executive order is kind of along those lines because I would love to welcome back Milo Yiannopoulos, Laura Loomer, and Alex Jones to Twitter. Take a listen to what the five had to say. 
Twitter, the president threatening to regulate or close down social media companies after Twitter started fact-checking his tweets. Trump accusing the platform of silencing conservatives and trying to interfere with the 2020 elections. It's in response to Twitter adding a warning label to his tweets about mail-in ballots and voter fraud. So, Greg, this is a whole can of worms, but mm. Twitter is using CNN and The mm -hmm. Washington Post as their fact-checkers. Well, I mean, think about this. What's easier, uh, to throw away a bag of votes or get a Russian troll farm to help you swing an election? I think it's easier to throw away a bag of votes. But anyway, the thing is, this whole fact-checking thing is designed as a, way, as, uh, as a way to tackle misinformation, which would be good if there was a balance in misinformation. But we do know from research that the news media is about 90% liberal. So the right generally is over-policed daily compared to the left the, look at it it's like a highway where only the red cars get pulled over while the blue cars keep going that's how we police misinformation and i think that this kind of fact checking thing this is an example of it will just ex extend the practice of going after things that are said by trump or said by uh conservative outfits while all i mean imagine if you tried to fact check everything said against trump from the Russian collusion to the accusations of racism to the 25th Amendment that went on for a couple of months. And then now you have the blood libel of, of the coronavirus in which you have certain people on MSNBC saying, you know, he's got 100,000 deaths on his hands. It's impossible to actually fact check the immensity of these claims against Trump. So, you know, it's only going to work one way. They're just going to pull over the red cars and let the blue cars drive by. You know, Dana, for a, a while now, f uh, big social media companies like Twitter and Facebook have been threatened with regulation because they claim that they're just a public platform, but then they do things like edit content, ban content, and in this case, fact check President Trump's tweets. But you interviewed Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg for your show tomorrow. Let's take a sneak peek at that and get your mm -hmm. response. Twitter decided for the first time ever to fact check one of President Trump's tweets. I wondered if you thought that the Twitter may have made the wrong decision here. We have a different policy, I, I think, than Twitter on this. You know, I, I just believe strongly that uh, that Facebook shouldn't be uh, the arbiter of truth of everything that people say online. Um, I think in general, private companies probably shouldn't be, or especially these platform companies, shouldn't be in the position of, of, of doing that. So that is a policy that um, the Facebook team put in place last October, around the time that I first interviewed him. And the uproar from the left has never let up against Facebook on this. They want him uh, to be policing President Trump's tweets, but not their own. And it has been something pretty interesting to watch that they've stuck to their guns. Um, I further asked him about, like, well, it, what would be, what would be the line? You know, is there a line that they would cross? And He's very clear. They look back at the Supreme Court rulings from the past in terms of free speech. And if it uh, doesn't have imminent harm to somebody or misinformation that would hurt somebody, then for when it comes to political speech, they're going to be hands off. And I think that that's probably the right decision. Like if I was sitting there, I think that I don't know exactly what I would do. I don't have all the information, but I think that's the right thing. I think free speech is something that Americans cherish. American companies should cherish. And there was no need for Twitter to get involved yesterday. Like, why fact check that particular tweet? There are hundreds mm -hmm. of tweets that you could choose. 
but they chose the <laughs> mail-in voting, and there is controversy about mail-in voting. There are statistics. There are different things. You know, it took um, Seattle about ten years to get it right. Jason Rance wrote a big, a great piece on this um, to explain that. It's pretty good now, but it took 10 years for them to get it to be good. So I think there's room for a debate. I just don't understand why Twitter decided to step in it on that particular tweet yesterday when there was plenty of other tweets, including one yesterday, that they could have taken action on. Well, Jesse, shouldn't they be also then fact-checking, I don't know, members of the... They shouldn't be fact-checking, period, unless they're publishers. Why are they accepting the fact that they're allowed to fact-check? First of all, this is the problem that we have. Even the supposed conservative and right-wing media is sitting there claiming that Facebook and Twitter have the right to fact No, you don't. It's not your job. You're not a publisher, okay? You shouldn't be doing that. The Chinese Communist Party who are spe- you know, spewing lies about the coronavirus on Twitter, they aren't doing that. No, because they have too much money in China. I mean, why don't they fact check Pencil Neck? I mean, he's been lying about collusion for three years. I'd put a little fact check behind any of those tweets. And I know why they chose this to fact check, because it's the only way they're going to beat Trump is ballot harvesting. It's not even a fact check, Katie. It's spin. I mean, like I have I have sheets of paper here of reports that I found on Twitter that say that there's a lot of abuse with mail ballots. It's from the New York Times, the AP, CBS. I mean, these aren't fact checkers. This is like the Democrat state of the union rebuttal. And they don't understand how weak it makes the left look because because Biden can't take him out. The media can't take him out. Now they're asking big tech for help. I mean, you guys can't do this on your own. Why can't Biden retweet Trump and say this or that? That's his job. And then you find out the guy in charge of enforcing the rules on Twitter is some left wing hack Mm -hmm. that called the Trump folks Nazis. The whole thing's so cooked up that it's it's almost helping the president because it makes him again look like he's got everybody against him. You know, Twitter, the FBI, Mm -hmm. the mainstream media, and he's going to shove it right back in their face in November. So, Donna, there's so arguments tired on, of on both sides. All of the whining, all of the whining, all of this whining. Jesus Christ, Jesse. I mean, I, I wish I could send you some tissue, but I would have to be six feet from you. So, therefore, I would have to I'm throw not it at whining. you. But the point is, you're the one is that, that's whining. Is that the social you guys are the media, ones that complain the to the ref media, The social media, the social media platform companies. If Biden was a real contender, he'd stuff it right down Trump's throat, but he can't. So we need Silicon Valley to help him out. You're talking over me because you're talking. You're talking over me because you're talking. Oh, my God. I want to talk over her. Like, seriously, Donna Brazil is going to come out conspiracy theories. Girl, put yourself in check. If Twitter's not a publisher, they have no right to censor to say anything. But this is fun to listen to because she just came out like something completely unwanted left field and just showed up with her polka dots talking nonsense these conspiracy theories do cost lives and the misinformation that you put out the president tweet should have been deleted i would have deleted the president's mm. tweet and you know why because it's a ball face 
lie. It's Republicans who use absentee ballots to get out their votes. That has traditionally been the way the Republicans have always motivated their voters. Go ahead and vote early. So I think that the social media platform companies should regulate themselves and they should make sure that these conspiracy theories, the one the president put out about Joe Scarborough, it should be deleted. The lies need to stop. There's no First Amendment right to lie. Period. You can't lie. Okay. And with that, right. we will move well, on. Actually, you can. <laughs> you can. <laughs> there's a right. Yeah. You can. There's, there's a right. no you can First lie. Amendment right to lie. There's no First Amendment <laughs> okay. right to lie. You just go ahead and lie. But I can say I'm six feet tall. Are you going to get me arrested for saying I'm six feet tall, Donna? No, but I would. But I would pull All your right, call well, over because I'm sure. What would happen to politicians, Donna? If 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 you couldn't lie, you'd have no politics. There is no First Amendment True. Perfect. Right to, we, that's what we I'm are saying. going no to move right on. To no, 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 no instance response from the purple bed, even though, you know, guys, I always wanted one. I never got one. I've always wanted to try the bed, but never wanted to invest in it. And they just hijacked my feed. Ugh, I hate it when that happens. Okay. This is why I like to download my clips, but um, I'm trying to do them a little bit better. Okay. So, so we're talking about Twitter. We're talking about censorship. Obviously, uh, there's a lot that's going to be happening very, very soon today. I'm eager to see what it is. I mean, if we pull 230 immunity, let the lawsuits fly. Twitter's going to change. People are going to leave. And I see Parler and Gab gaining, gaining ground. No one's going to be on Twitter. No one's going to care. Uh, we're all going to be lurking. I, I tell you that if they go into publish mode and they have the right to delete everyone, mm. So the executive order will be that if people are removed, he needs to put back everyone. That's what I say. Put back everyone on there and either you leave it or you have no immunity and I will let people sue. I will let people sue you for posting things. This is going to be perfect because now when some demented person put something on there about you, you can sue Twitter for letting it be there. And then that person gets removed forever from the platform. Not only that, so will you. Uh, obviously, later on because they'll make sure that some bot complains about something you say so that way you get removed and in the end no one will be on Twitter anymore I mean that's the future that's what's going to happen if they continue to push this narrative uh, and if they continue to push the policing no one wants policing and for me I think we should just take it to the other level and say this is election meddling period and uh, you know you're getting foreign money uh, you're being sponsored by foreign governments and for me, that's a no-no. Uh, we'll pick this up right after this short break. The forgotten men and women of our country will be forgotten no longer. The time for empty talk is over. Now arrives the hour of action. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. Every decision will be made to benefit American workers and American families. America will start winning again winning like never before. I will fight for you with every breath in my body 
and I will never, ever let you down. Do not allow anyone to tell you that it cannot be done. No challenge can match the heart and fight and spirit of America. We will not fail. Our country will thrive and prosper again. Your voice, your hopes, and your dreams will define our American destiny. When America is united, America is totally unstoppable. After nearly four years, my family's nightmare is finally over. We couldn't have survived this without the love and support of the millions of patriots around the world. Thank you from the bottom of our heart. Hi, I'm Laura Loomer, and I'm running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District. Wouldn't it be horrible if we lived in a nation where journalists were silenced just because they confronted the political and media elite? You might think that could never happen in America, but it did. And to me. For confronting people like Hillary Clinton on her corruption and Ilhan Omar for her ties to radical Islamic terror groups, I have been banned on pretty much every single social media platform. And if that doesn't sound extreme enough, I'm also banned on Uber and Lyft. I know, I cannot understand that last one either. When this all happened to me, I contacted the media and members of Congress. I asked them for help. I kept calling, I kept emailing, but I never received a reply. And that's when it hit me. I'm a well-known journalist who has the phone numbers of the most powerful people in politics and media, yet I couldn't get any assistance. What on earth would the average American do if the same thing happened to them? I realized then that if I wanted to see change, that I would need to run for office. The American people deserve representation that listens to and acts on their concerns. So here I am, running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District, because the American people deserve a voice and a representative who, like President Trump, will keep the promises they make and speak up loudly and clearly for that silent majority. Welcome back, everyone. So here we are in uh, social media limbo. And, you know, Zuckerberg is probably on his seat thinking, oh, my gosh, what's happening? What is going to happen? And I'm pretty sure mitigation has already started to go. Uh, you know, they are very rich people. They are very, uh, you know, well networked. And they have a lot of DARPA contracts. So I'm pretty sure they know what's about to go down today. So I want you guys to listen to what Josh Howley the senator of um, Missouri had to say uh, he is a member of the Senate Judiciary Committee, and he actually called out Twitter for their hypocrisy. Remember, they lied. They lied again and again and again and again. So take a listen to what he had to say. You get the sense that Twitter really didn't think it through. Now, I'm talking about the decision to hit one of President Trump's tweets with an absurd fact check. Now, it wasn't just that Twitter was wrong on the merits but it revealed the staggering hypocrisy of its supposed mission. Not only are they attempting to editorialize and now censor the president of the United States, they do so while allowing Chinese propaganda accounts to run free on their platform. Well, today the president responded warning that he would move to regulate social media platforms that try to silence conservative voices. And he plans to sign an executive order on the subject tomorrow. 
But even before that news, Missouri Senator Josh Hawley called on the government to revoke liability protections for social media companies, which would drastically change how they're treated. Senator Hawley joins us exclusively tonight. Senator, explain for our audience how your proposed action would affect these entities. Well, it would just take away the special deal, Lord, that they currently get from the government. There's a reason that Twitter and Facebook and Google have gotten so big and powerful, huge. It's not because of free market competition. It's because of the lack of free market competition, because the government has given them a special deal that Fox News doesn't get and the New York Times doesn't get. No traditional publisher gets. They are free from liability, free from suit. They've got a special immunity. And here's the thing. If they are going to act like regular publishers, if Twitter's going to editorialize, about the president of the United States, then they ought to be treated like a regular publisher. And that's what my bill would do. Well, I think there seems to be some opposition within the social media world to that. As Mark Zuckerberg spoke out today, and, and he said, that's basically, that's not what we do at Facebook. Does that give you a sense that, well, they've gotten the message pretty quickly that you go down this road, it's going to be a rocky one for you? Well, I think that Zuckerberg is clearly quite eager to throw Twitter under the bus here because Zuckerberg doesn't want to lose immunities for Facebook. I mean, they want to keep their special deal. I'm surprised that Google isn't out there doing the same thing. Problem is, is that Google has also been censoring Americans who criticize the Chinese Communist Party. So these guys really all do this stuff. They've just gotten by with it for a long time. They picked on the president. Twitter did this time. And that's really elevated what they're doing is that they, they are editorializing. They are censoring. They are making political judgments. And yet they're claiming that, oh, no, no, we're not like traditional media. We should be treated differently. We're neutral. We don't have any opinions. We just post other people's opinions. It just isn't true, Laura. And it's time to start calling them out on it. Well, when you look at the head of the site integrity, it's called uh, this guy. Uh, we looked into his past as, as some others. This guy, Yoel Roth, has a history of tweets that call Trump a racist tangerine. That's just right after the inauguration. He said there were actual Nazis in the White House. And it might not surprise you to learn, uh, Senator, that he donated, of course, to Hillary's presidential campaign. And he says Twitter, though, is working to limit the spread of potentially harmful and misleading content. So why haven't his tweets then have why weren't they labeled as harmful? Personal attacks, etc. Yeah, exactly. That's the standard. Or or. Or how about the Chinese foreign ministry, Laura, who have been out there on Twitter, on social media, saying that United States soldiers actually started the coronavirus, who've been out there saying that Beijing has done nothing wrong with relation to COVID-19, that they took every available health measure. These are just outright lies and falsehoods. And to impugn the integrity of United States soldiers as the as the originators of the coronavirus, are you crazy at Twitter, hasn't had a word to say about any of those things. This is a joke. This is Twitter showing their political bias. And again, if they want to editorialize like the New York Times, go right on ahead. You can do that. It's free country. They're a free company, but they shouldn't get a special deal from government because of it. And Senator, are you shocked about just how willing so many in the media are to carry the water of the Chinese Communist Party when indeed the history of abuse, subjugation, oppression, torture of political dissidents, and yet Trump is the problem on the world stage. Are, are you surprised by this? Yeah. It 
I, I really am. I mean, particularly when you see what they're doing right now in Hong Kong, Laura, you can see their intentions really laid bare. You know, China said that Beijing said they were going to improve democracy in Hong Kong, improve it by ending it, of course. And now they've got their thugs out there on the streets. They want to strip Hong Kong of all of its liberties, take away their judiciary, take away their right to assemble. And you see what they did with COVID-19. I mean, they unleashed this pandemic on the world because they were too incompetent and also, frankly, uh, too, too evil uh, to deal deal with it. I mean, they would not admit what they were doing. They would not admit they had a health problem on their hands. They suppressed the information. And because of this, this thing was allowed to spread into a global mm-hmm. pandemic. So they have they are responsible, Laura, for all kinds of wrongdoing. And yet you see the media giving them like with Twitter, giving them a free pass while they focus on the president of the United States. It's crazy. Well, Senator, we can't wait to see what happens next. And we'll be looking for the president's uh, executive order tomorrow. Thank you. And we are. And every and right now, Section 230 is trending. It's a legal shield that we know that social media has. We have people screeching that he can't repeal Section 230 by yo. He could do whatever he wants. And, you know, at that point, here's how it's going to pan out. They either let everyone back online and use the tools that are available to them to create their safe spaces. I mean, now you can even choose who can reply to your tweets. Not only block people, but you can choose who replies. So you don't even see it. So why do we need, you know, thought police? So either you do that and say, look, you come on here at your own risk. Here are the tools to protect yourself. There's no more reporting unless you report something to the police. That's the only reporting you should be able to do is reporting something to the police. Like, I don't know, child pornography, you know, beating up old people. I don't know, voter fraud. You know, there should be direct access to the police. That is all. Unless there's a crime committed, anybody can say anything. And, you know, Donna Brazil said, oh, First Amendment doesn't cover lies. Well, what about you? What about Adam Schiff? He lied. Is he claiming First Amendment there? I mean, the First Amendment says you could say whatever you want. You can express yourself however you want. Look, free speech is messy. It's disgusting. It's horrible because you will hear everything. God knows that. But I'd rather a messy environment where I can choose to mute, delete, block, not see, uh, then not be allowed to say what I want when I want it. So, you know, section 230, uh, if that is repealed, this is how it's going to be. Say something, say someone posts something about you that is false and they just did it because they're vindictive or they just did it because they want to. You don't even have to sue that clown. You sue Twitter for allowing them to post it. Guess what happens? That person gets banned automatically. The tweet is deleted automatically and Twitter's like, we did it. Don't worry about it. You know, uh, we don't want a lawsuit. So slowly every single person on Twitter will be banned and there will be no one left because they want to protect themselves. They can't open themselves up to all these lawsuits now, can they? So that's the way it's got to be. And you know what? 230 is going to approach on Facebook now too. Instagram, Google, YouTube, everyone. And you know, 
in a, in a way, I almost feel like Jack did this on purpose because like they said, he could have picked so many other tweets, right? But why didn't he censor, you know, Adam Schiff lying? Uh, why isn't he censoring, you know, Eric Swallowell who cons- constantly keeps saying that Russia collusion existed when it didn't. And it's clear now it was all manufactured, all fake. You know, why isn't he censoring that? Oh, it's just the, you touch the president of the United States. So for me, I would have taken criminal action against the company. I would have had them prove that they weren't influenced by someone else. But let's all say Donna Brazil called out about NBC, NBC's Joe. Oh, he needs to take that out because of the murder of Clasutis. And we have the family and the widow. Yeah, just like Seth Rich. So let's get this going because that's the whole point of it. They don't want the president airing out his criminal laundry joe's criminal laundry mika ban the president now don lemon crying we need to make it a safe space where only we could be heard dude if you're the only one heard no one's going to be listening no one's going to care no one wants to see you or hear you so this is huge because jack just took up all of the uh, social media uh, you know, uh, companies on his neck and, you know, Facebook has PolitiFact to do fact checking and blocks conservative off their platforms too. So Facebook is also in trouble. And he says, you know, remember Mark Zuckerberg said, we are the arbiter of truth. Everything that people say, well, no, 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 no. I could say whatever I want. I could say, I'm, you know, I could say I'm queen Sheba. I could say that I am Cleopatra reincarnate. I could say whatever. I want. You don't have the right to tell me what I can say or else you're not free or else you're a publisher and you take liability for what I put on there. Because if they're, if they have section 230 immunity, think of it this way. Why are they saying, well, we're responsible. Are you? Then that means I can sue you. You can't be, you can't be protected of not being sued, but you're also responsible. So that's where it goes. And you know, (laughs) this is wonderful. And I kind of think that Jack Dorsey did that because he's back in the United States as of the 22nd of May, which means what? He tweeted out that little pizza slice. Oops. Could it be that he did this on purpose? So this can be forced. So this can be done because he doesn't want to help be held responsible for saying, well, you know, we're just going to let everyone back on. He wants to be forced saying, look, as a business decision, we're going to have to kill this policing and this thought police, uh, because we can't do that. We're, we're going to be considered publishers. So either we let on anybody or that's it. And he, he, here's the thing. You can verify, you know, that that person and that device belongs to that, that person. You know what I'm saying? You can send your identification. You can uh, prove that. That's totally fine. That way, you know, since it's a free speech platform, if you put out death threats, the police can find you. I'm, I'm totally for it. I'm, I'm okay with that as a private company, you know, when crimes occur on their platform, they want to know they're covered. They're not having some dummy accounts, right? Some sock puppets out of India, or, you know, they want to say Russia, but we know where the troll farms are really coming from. We've seen the videos where we have the Chinese with like 20 phones and they're tweeting and retweeting. So, and in India, right? You actually buy those services on fiverr.com. Let's just say it. So, uh, you know, he can actually, 
uh, implement that. He could say, look, it's a free speech platform. I'm sorry, guys. I can't monitor it. You know, uh, it, it's not happening. You can use these tools. And you know what? He can actually monetize from those tools. So people that feel that they need a safe space can pay a yearly fee to have a safe space. I mean, that's the way it is. And if someone is slandering you and causing you harm, you can actually sue them because he's got their identity. And you could say to the police, here, it belongs to this person, Twitter, get the, the identification from them they've been verified as a human being you know here you go and that's it and you can start suing people yourself yourself and they're not hiding behind the free speech platform or you know section 230 if he goes and he says no 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 you can't post whatever you want because i said so i'm the thought police and you're a publisher at that point i can start suing you for people talking smack about me that's the way it is that is the way it is so you can't pick and choose parts of it you can't say i make sure that the truth is out there my job is to make sure it's a safe no it's not your job. Your job is that you created this amazing algorithm. They did amazing algorithms so people can talk and reach out with great features. I can block idiots if I want to. I can check and, and say, I don't want other people reporting unless I'm following them. I, nobody can see it except for me. The same type of things that Twitter, uh, that Facebook has. You can post things where everybody can see it, or you can make it just for your friends or just for yourself. So if there's tools to control who can respond to you, who can see your stuff, right? And tools to block people, not see them, then why do we need the police on top of that? You should be responsible enough to get on there and do it yourself. So that is the way it has to be. You can't, you can't have both. That's just, you know, the first thing that Hitler did was silence free speech told them you either say this it's my way or the highway and that's the way it goes and that's what happened so here we have communications coming in we have obviously the left saying he can't do this with an eo president could do whatever he wants the president can do whatever he wants i don't care i am very 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 behind the president to just sign that off and say if People are blocked from your platform unless there is a criminal case. You cannot, unless there's criminal charges uh, pertaining to the use of social media for criminal cases, then you can't block them or else you get your 230 revoked. That's a big deal. This is, this is what has to happen. If you want 230 immunity, you can't block anyone. That's the way it is. It's a public platform. Pick and choose. There's tools there. So that is the, that is the way. We have people saying that conservatism will fight the impulse to regulate big tech. Competition, free markets, and humanity and genius is the answer. Not taking one big problem and combining it with another big problem. We'll put a hold on your name for when you join. What? Dave Rubin said that. Okay, stop. He doesn't need to add regulations. The only thing the president needs to say is, if you've blocked people off your platform that have not committed a crime by using your platform then you are a publisher. Hence, you are not afforded 230 immunity. That's the way it is. And you watch Facebook, you watch Twitter, YouTube, all of them, just put it all out. Now, it doesn't mean that you're allowed to monetize. They probably won't let you use ads. That's their prerogative. YouTube probably won't let you make money on videos. That's their prerogative, right? That's the private platform. But you should be able to put whatever you want.
And if you have not committed a crime directly linked to Twitter, it can't be like, hey, you robbed the liquor store, so you're not allowed to use Twitter. That's not the way it goes. But if you use Twitter to extort, if you use Twitter to harass, if you, you know, criminal harassment, if you use Twitter to push child porn, any porn, uh, selling drugs, then you're banned off the platform because you use the platform to do that. That's the way it has to be. That's the only time you should be banned. Not because Mika's crying, oh my gosh, my husband is going to get caught for the murder he got away with. How dare you? No, that's not how it happens. So it's, it's pretty awesome if, it, if it's simple like that. Uh, you are not, as a public platform, you are provided Section 230 immunity as long as there's free speech. Uh, now, if you have blocked anyone from your platform that has not been directly implicated of committing a crime through your platform, then you are no longer afforded 230 immunity. That's the way it is. And they will have a period of 30 days to reinstate everyone they banned. And they have to look. Did the person commit a crime? Uh, before we ban them that was directly linked to Twitter or Facebook? No. Then they need to be reinstated. And that's the way it is. Or else they have to take upon themselves that there's Section 230 immunity is out the window. And now all of us can start pushing along lawsuits, sending them over to Twitter for whatever reason it may be. And this way, almost everyone is going to try to what? Be removed. <laughs> so say someone says something about me and it's slander. It's a civil suit. I'll say you're allowing them to say stuff about me. That isn't true. Uh, I'm suing you because you're publishing that they'll ban them. And then their friends will say, Oh, she said this and I'm going to sue her for saying this. And then I'm banned and then everybody's banned. That's the way it goes. So the president tweeted out, it's so ridiculous to see Twitter trying to make the case that mail-in ballots are not subject to fraud. How stupid their examples and cases are. All, all over the place. Our election process will become badly tainted and a laughing stock all over the world. Tell that to your hater. That's the way it goes. That is the way it goes, man. They picked the wrong tweet to censor. And he said, this will be a big day for social media and fairness. And fairness is if you have not committed a crime using a social media platform, you should not be removed. It is not a crime to voice whatever you want. I mean, there's a lot of racist people out there, kind of like that racist, you know, employee at the, at the nursing home. He was just beating up on white old people because he felt like it because he hates white people. There's a bunch of people that just hate Jews, hate whites, hate this. They just hate everybody. And they're on there and they're talking. It's messy. It's disgusting. That's the way free speech is. You just block them. You just leave it alone. You don't even look at it. Don't respond. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. I don't care to listen to what you have to say from the minute that your argument is moot and it's just racist and disgusting and everything. I don't have to. That's the way it is. So, hey, unless you've committed a crime on the platform, you should be allowed on it. If you're not, then there's a section 230 and there you go. That's the way it goes. I mean, criminal harassment. Can you claim criminal harassment via social media? Yes, you can on your local level. And what you can do is if they don't have section 230 immunity, you sue Twitter for letting them harass you. So that's the, that's the way it is. They can't put fact checks on things, especially if they're citing Weibo and CNN. We all know they're fake news. Like the whole world knows they're fake news. So, I mean, they could have used, you know, facts like 
justice.gov. Oh, but there they would have seen that there were actually indictments and announcements by the Justice Department that there is mail ballot voter fraud. But okay, I digress. So this is where we are. The president is going to fix this. I don't know how it's going to be. I know they were really busy yesterday, couldn't actually give us any hints or anything like that. So it's kind of just like wait and see. I'm really hoping that we get to welcome Alex Jones, Laura Loomer, Milo Yiannopoulos, and a bunch of other people that were deleted uh, and unpersoned from uh, Twitter. And, uh, you know, we'll see how that goes. Now, um, having said that, I want you guys uh, to know that in our, I want, I, I want you guys to know that today we're going to talk about outer space. We really need to talk about outer space because yesterday the launch was delayed. There's so much going on and I've neglected global politics um, uh, a lot because I've been so focused on certain things uh, that have come into my purview that I've been working on. I'm also going to tell you guys how I figured out how the spying started Um uh, this uh, article has almost been completed. I'm actually finally... Okay, please don't make fun of me. It's been... What is it? It's May, right? End of May? Oh, gosh. I haven't had my hair cut since October. And um, a friend of mine um, had... Uh, put me forward to a hairdresser. So I'm going to get my hair cut. So I'm not going to be able to get that up. So instead, my listeners get to hear the story. So that's what we're going to be covering today. So now shifting gears from social media where we're all going to be watching and uh, tweeting and Facebooking about, I want us to just kind of talk about the new probe into unmasking around the 2016 presidential election that was launched and um, how um, that is being put forward. Okay. It's really important important um, that we see how uh, this whole topic is being um, tackled by the U.S. government. Um, so that's, 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 uh, so what we found out was that, uh, you know, Barr appointed a uh, U.S. federal attorney from Texas to look into the unmasking that Mueller did, right? That Mueller did. <laughs> and that's interesting because, um, Mueller actually um, was the one that um, unmasked a lot of people during his investigation that he knew was fraudulent, that was pretty much digging, which means he probably unmasked just regular people that was that were um, simply, uh, you know, uh, putting out uh, information uh, about uh, the investigation about Russia, Russia, Russia. So it's it's really interesting to see, uh, you know, how that moves along. Uh, so it's it was so startling, uh, you know, watching, watching, um, you know, the, 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 the left push the narrative and allowing Mueller to not only abuse his right, abuse his right to investigate, but the expansion of it was ridiculous. Uh, when I say ridiculous, we're talking ridiculous. Uh, the digging, the framing, the everything. So now what we're looking at is the unmasking investigations that happened. The, the stuff that Mueller did using the Canadian intelligence company, I kid you not, guys, they actually had a foreign company work on the Mueller investigation. Uh, you know, this contractor uh, is 
is a foreign-based entity that was involved in one of the biggest, uh, you know, scandals ever. Why did we have Canadians, crown loyalists, right, and, you know, foreigners working on this? That's, that's a question we should all ask ourselves. Um, that is a question we should be asking the White House. Uh, why are we allowing and why are we p- giving contracts? Like, who does this procurement, you know, to, to push this along? It shouldn't be happening. It really shouldn't be happening. So, you know, that's what we need to be pushing along is why is this happening? How are they allowing it to happen? And who is the key person that is promoting such things happen? Because we know that Loftus is the one in charge of procurement for the Justice Department. But what in his right mind said, oh, you know, I think it's a good idea if we hire a Canadian intelligence company to, I don't know, paper shred or, I don't know, unmask American citizens. Because that is exactly what happened. So I'll see you guys right after this short break and we'll delve into this and delve into a lot more. Welcome back, everyone, to the Taurus Show. I'm your host, Taurus. So here we have a, a busy, busy day uh, on this day, the 28th of May, 2020. We have, uh, you know, uh, the, our president defending our right uh, to public discourse uh, on uh, in cyberspace. Uh, we also have a new probe into mask unmasking, uh, and that uh, went through, uh, you know, the. Uh, Mueller investigation, like I said, where he used Canadian intelligence company to paper shred, I guess. And, you know, Pelosi has come out uh, saying things like, uh, you know, uh, the, the things that make absolutely no sense. And McCarthy so nicely put it that she is actually endangering the Constitution just to ensure her power. Take a listen to what he had to say. And all of that is the justice, uh, to the Justice Department's new unmasking probe. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy now joins us. Thanks so much for being here, uh, Leader McCarthy. First, can you react to Bill Barr now bringing on John Bash to look into this issue of unmasking? Where do you see all of this going next, Leader? Well, every day we learn something more, that more and more individuals were unmasked. These are American citizens. And I think it's appropriate what the Attorney General is doing because we need to get to the bottom of this. The more we learn, unfortunately, we find that the Obama administration was more interested in unmasking Flynn than securing masks for the national stockpile. And that's a real concern to every American. 
You know, you go back to the words there of the DOJ uh, spokesperson, Kerry Kupak, and um, making the, the point that certainly um, this is not inherently wrong to have done the unmasking or to unmask. Uh, but she is pointing out the obvious. It's the frequency that is being questioned and the motivation behind it. What specific questions do you have as this moves forward, leader? Well, the question is, it is not wrong to go after an American citizen, but think of the timing of when they did it. They did it after the election, after it was decided that we're going to have a new president, a new administration, and the past administration in that little time period, while they are still in power in January before the swearing-in of January 20th, spends their time unmasking not one, but we have the vice president, who is now stuck in a basement, basement Biden. Then you moved on to ambassadors, presidents and others in there, in their daily briefing, asking to unmask individuals who have been going into a new administration that was duly elected. Why? Why then? Why unmask these American citizens? Why would this administration do that at the same time when their own intelligence knew that what was being said about them, about Russia, was false and wrong and giving the American public a false narrative, lying to them? at the same time. That is concerning to me, not as a Democrat, not as a Republican, but as an American who believes in the rule of law. That should not happen to any American, let known an uh, individual such as Flynn who had served his nation. Trying to discredit this individual was wrong from the start mm -hmm. and using the power of the Oval Office to do it? That, to me, we need to get to the bottom of because the rule of law all right. Should we will see where uh, Bill Barr and in. now John Bash. We'll see where John Bash gets with all of that. Meanwhile, you saw firsthand what happened with Nancy Pelosi yesterday, yanking that vote on the FISA bill after the president threatened to veto uh, it. Nancy Pelosi sort of previewing uh, previewing what may be to come in all of that. Here's Nancy Pelosi. There are different views and perspectives up here in terms of remote voting. Uh, we've all tried very hard to work in a bipartisan fashion. Being present doesn't necessarily require physical presence. I think that remote operations are possible. But that is not the path that the Democrats have gone down. What the Democrats have done, instead of working with us, is use this crisis to try to gain partisan benefit. So we'll get back to the, the, the pulling of the FISA uh, vote yesterday and where that goes next in a second. But what you just heard there was from your colleague Liz Cheney. She's not opposed uh, to the proxy voting, but she's making it clear that this can happen in many different ways. I know you, uh, Leader McCarthy, are firmly opposed to it. Your thoughts? Well, no, let, let me be clear. Liz Cheney is opposed to proxy voting. She joined me in a lawsuit against the Democrats. Everybody should be opposed to proxy voting. Almost one-third of the Democrats did not show up for work yesterday, but they'll still get their paycheck. More than 50 million Americans did not have a voice on that floor. Democrats signed a piece of paper that said they were physically unable to come to Congress. But Charlie Crist was able to, even though that he signed that paper, to go to the launch across the state. So he lied to his own constituents. He lied under oath to those members that are in Congress themselves. And think for one moment, 231 years we have never done this. Through yellow fever of 1793, through the Civil War, 
through the Spanish flu, even when the building was burnt down in the War of 1812, 9-11, we should convene, the Constitution says we should. It is only ability of Nancy Pelosi to try to have more power. Her own words yesterday on the floor, if you're able to get them, she says this is an opportunity. Every crisis is. She's taking a crisis as an opportunity to secure more power for herself and allow only 20 people to control the entire floor. That's unconstitutional. They do not have the power and the right to do it, and all Americans should stand up against this. Got it. And in terms of, of, of Cheney not being opposed to it, what I meant was she says that there's different views and perspectives. She understands that. And while she's not opposed to those other viewpoints, she wants more cooperation from Democrats on that. Now, final thoughts on Nancy Pelosi. Here she is on the polling of that FISA vote yesterday. The FISA bill, nobody is ever really that happy. But the fact is we have to have a bill. If we don't have a bill, then our, our liberties, our civil liberties, are less protected. House in session today. Any ideas as to what happens next with that, if it does indeed come up for a vote? Is the speaker sounded a little like what she said with Obamacare. We need to pass it to know what's in it. The best thing that the speaker should do is actually take the advice I gave her just a couple days ago. Take a deep breath. Take a step back. It's not going to become law because the president has concerns with it. Even those in the Senate have concerns what they want, want to do as well. So why don't we work those problems out so we can make law? Every day we find something new about FISA. FISA is about foreign surveillance. But what we're finding every single day that people utilize the FISA court to survey American citizens. Wouldn't you want to get to the bottom of that before you pass something? And I think that's what's critical and why people in her own party are saying that to her as well. I know she's able to gather a lot of power, able to have 70 votes sitting in her pocket, able to pay Democratic members of Congress not for showing up for work when there's 42 million Americans who would gladly want to go to a job and work. That's the problem that we have today, that she's changing the direction and the power of this Congress, and it's not working for her. She's not keeping the promises that she made to the American public that they would be different, that they would focus on the individuals. Name me one problem that they have solved. They've created more problems than they have solved, haven't they? And we see that every single day. Your vote is the most important thing. And what people in Minnesota right now should remember is that they voted for people like Ilhan Omar, Governor Waltz, and Keith Ellison. And Minneapolis today uh, looks like a war zone. The aftermath is like a war zone. These of heated protests, that's what they're calling them, they're riots, um, were a result of bad governing. And now the National Guard has been deployed. Look, these cops committed murder there were citizens that paid their wages right there saying there's something wrong. The guy has been neutralized. You've handcuffed him. Why are you choking him? What are you waiting for? What are you doing? He's asking you, please, I can't breathe. The man was asking, please, I can't breathe. And you still killed him. You killed him. And let's remember that the mayor of Minneapolis actually said that they're not allowed to do warrior tactics anymore. They're not supposed to have that training. And guess what? Uh, they said, no, we're going to be offering 
doing it for free. This is what happens when you vote for clowns. This is what happens when you don't take your vote seriously. This is exactly what happens. You get stuck with government that doesn't care about you as an individual, cares about themselves first. I mean, listen to Pelosi this morning. Yes, sir. Senator Kane announced this morning that he was sick back in March and April, took an antibody test, came back positive. In light of that and on your overall focus on testing, I'm wondering respectfully, have you ever been tested for coronavirus, no. either diagnostic test, antibody test? No. 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 At the time when our colleague, uh, Congresswoman uh, Velasquez was diagnosed, we had all been here for the unanimous consent on the the PPP, the second PPP. And um, so, you know, when you're taking pictures, people look closer than they are. So people said, oh, you were in her company. We, we were at a press, we signing the bill, the enrollment. And so I said to the doctor, um, should I be having a test? He said, no, uh, you, uh, you don't have any symptoms and your proximity was not such that it would justify that. We don't want to have the test... For a while, there were a scarcity of tests, and the fact is, is we didn't want to be in, first in line to get tested when so many people who had symptoms and had justification for it. What I want is to have many, many more tests so that there isn't a competition for them. And I don't think, just as you used that example of Senator Kane and Mrs. Kane, that, that um, you should have to have symptoms because you could be asymptomatic and be contagious, if that's the word. And so um, so what we'd like to see in our bill is a system where... Wait a minute. She said you could be asymptomatic and contagious. Didn't recent research that was published on PubMed by actual scientists and doctors say that they exposed 455 people to a person that was asymptomatic and supposedly contagious and they didn't get it? So this is where lies come into place. I mean, First Amendment, so she has the right to say whatever, right? There, there's massive testing, tracing, treatment, saving of lives with isolation that, that would go with it. But no, the doctor said, no, you, you, you don't need to, and you'd be putting yourself ahead of other people in line. So, no, I haven't. Yes? Last question. Who's your friend? <laughs> You mentioned the tragedy in, in Minnesota and specifically the Frederica Wilson bill. What else are you looking at specifically, House Democrats, that you could do to legislatively? What, what, are, what are the tools that you even have to your disposal? It wasn't that long ago that you did uh, a pretty comprehensive criminal justice reform bill. Was that what, not enough? What, the, uh, apparently not. What, what we are, uh, I don't want to distribute someone else's letter, but the Jerry Nadler, on behalf of the Democrats on the Judiciary Committee. I don't know if it's bipartisan, but I, the letter that I have is just Jerry Nadler's signature now. Um, they they uh, go into them. They also go into the Arbery uh, case tragedy. Uh, it's a letter to Gen uh, Attorney General Barr and Assistant uh, Attorney General Draymond. Draymond. Uh, and it, it, it has an array of questions and the rest. But we're working with our Congressional Black Caucus, who has been working on this. During the HEROES Act, I spent a lot of time on the phone with them, with conference calls and the rest, with 
big uh, big um, participation participation of many people, including in some instances the press, to talk about uh, criminal justice and how disproportionately it was affecting the coronavirus was protect, affecting people in prison and the rest and stories uh, that went with that. Uh, just one piece of the the attention that they had paid to civil civil rights to to um, what happens in prisons, uh, the health issue, how they all connect. So they we take our guide from them on these particular issues, and the Judiciary Committee has that commission as as one option. But it's only one option right now that people just want to get the facts. Yeah, which they're not giving. And, you know, I just wanted to remind you guys that Marco Rubio, you know, sneaky little short, sleazy Marco Rubio is now has now been moved into chairman of the Select Committee on Intelligence. This is a really big deal. OK, because uh, he is actually the, the just so you know that the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence uh, that it has been working with the deep state department has actually been weaponized against President Trump and putting him in that position is a huge issue because the new impeachment has to do with things that the president has already done. So this is where we're at. And this senator has just moved into that position as documents have been coming in about uh, what they have been doing. So I, I want you to know that Marco Rubio is going to be taking front and Floridians should be very aware of who Marco is. I mean, I w- if I was in Florida, I'd start recall procedures. I'm just saying. So, uh, you know, this is, this is a huge problem. <laughs> Because we've got a new impeachment. While everyone thinks it's about coronavirus, it's not. It has to do with the sale of arms. It has to do with how he handled things. And this is all being led by Mark Straw in the State Department providing details. We're going to see this whole Khashoggi mess come up. And, you know, the only reason we have Bob Menendez, the pedo, kind of face-fronting this is because Lindsey Graham can't. And, um, you know, with Afghanistan, it's going to be a hot mess. Uh, you know, fees heading over there. Uh, uh, you know, I have no idea why we would send this failed, you know, um, foreign service officers ambassador to Afghanistan. This is this is going to be horrible. It is going to be horrible, horrible, horrible. This woman has no idea what she does. She was sitting in Su- in South Sudan. I mean, where's North, right? Um, <laughs> as a plant, she just she just needed to sit there and look pretty, like a a plant you put on your shelf. She didn't have to do anything. I mean, look, you're going into m- Muslim dominant place and you're sending a woman a woman that just looking at her you just don't like her you know she's sneaky she's disgusting she's one of the top people the first people that filed oig complaints on every single political appointee that president trump put in the state department every single one of them and we're going to trust her now with afghanistan which is a hot mess oh please let's not even get into it because it's like whatever so now we have to just kind of touch base on China and, um, you know, their takeover of Hong Kong because Pelosi spoke about that, said, oh, we have like a Hong Kong bill that was already passed. It's giving options to the president. I want you guys to listen uh, to how this was covered on Fox Business. 
Trump administration is planning to cancel visas for thousands of Chinese graduate students who have ties to universities that are associated with the Chinese military, according to The New York Times this morning. Beijing approved measures earlier today that could undermine Hong Kong's freedoms and Western ideals, making it fully part of China. The State Department making it clear yesterday that the territory is no longer autonomous from China, even going so far as to say that China is modeling Hong Kong after itself. Joining me right now is the State Department spokesperson, Morgan Ortegas. And Morgan, it is great to see you once again. Thanks so much for being here. Great to be back. Thanks for having me, Maria. Well, this is pretty serious stuff, Morgan. Let's talk about the implications in Hong Kong and what the secretary is saying when he says that Hong Kong is no longer autonomous. What are the implications of that statement, Morgan? Thanks, Maria. So we are required, the State Department is required by law to certify to Congress the autonomy in Hong Kong. And essentially what that means is in 1997, the Chinese Communist Party committed to Hong Kong and to the world that Hong Kong would remain autonomous uh, and that they would be independent of the Chinese Communist Party. So since last March, when we last certified uh, to Congress, we have seen a number of things happen, beginning with an extradition law. Uh, then you saw a protests, many protests of this extradition law where Hong Kongers could be subject to arbitrarily going back uh, to the mainland for any sort of prosecution. And then we saw a really violent crackdown of these protests. And this has been boiling for over a year. And the hallmark of the foreign policy of this administration, uh, Maria, is to recognize reality around the world. So Secretary Pompeo, in no. good conscience, could not go to the Congress and to certify that Hong Kong is still autonomous, especially because, as we saw overnight, uh, the National People's Congress has passed what they call the National Security Legislation, which is essentially a Chinese Communist Party takeover of Hong Kong. You know, it's interesting what has taken place here, because I think the, the entrance of China into the WTO was something done in good faith on the belief sure. that maybe China would see democracy elsewhere and say, well, you know what, we, we like democracy, and yeah, this would be good for our people, and capitalism yeah. is okay, even though we are communists. But, Morgan, that didn't happen. In fact, they've gone hardline, the complete opposite. So they've really disappointed those that were encouraging the WTO inclusion. Isn't that right? You're right, Maria. This is the third administration I've worked in. I've worked for Democrat and Republican presidents. And I can tell you that and until this administration, both parties got it wrong for almost 40 years. And, and it's not for, for lack of trying. I think it made sense to try to bring China into the WTO at the time. But what right. we have seen is, is what we had hoped would happen is that when they did business with capitalist societies, that they would open up, that they would come more free. But under General Secretary Xi, that has not happened in China. In fact, we think they're being we see that they're being more belligerent around the world and what's crucial today maria is for democracies and freedom loving people around the world this is a moment in history where people have to stand up and stand on one side of history you can no longer especially after covid 19 you can no longer ignore the actions of the chinese communist party in hong kong you can't look away yeah. and again the trump administration we're basing our foreign policy as we see the world for the reality that it is not as we hope that the world will be. 
Yeah, and, you know, we had Jimmy Lai on this week, live yeah. from Hong Kong. He said the situation is getting real dangerous on the ground. Business leaders, uh, I think, are little by little getting it in, in terms of the threat mm -hmm. uh, to national security that China represents. But the president of the U.S.-China Business Council is urging all sides to de-escalate, maintain the one-country, two-systems model that has been in place since the territory was handed over uh, to China in 1997. So, Morgan, will the yeah. U.S. target target individuals of the Chinese government so that the people of Hong Kong do not bear the brunt of any American action. What's the next move here? And what I was really looking for when I said to you what's the significance of, you know, the autonomy statement by the secretary right. is what kind of liberties does Hong Kong have now that it may very well not be able to enjoy given the secretary of state's, uh, you know, pronouncement that there's no more autonomy. Sure. So this is step one. We had to certify to the Congress uh, whether we still believe that Hong Kong was autonomous or not. We have clearly making the step to say that, that we cannot uh, certify that it remains autonomous. Uh, I don't want to get ahead of the president. Uh, he has a lot of options on the table, many of which that you have mentioned this morning. Um, but in reference back to the person that, that you mentioned, I think from the U.S.-China Business Council, uh, we agree that China should be respecting uh, the two systems, the, uh, the, the way that it was supposed to be set up in 1997 under the basic law. We can no longer certify this. So the media doesn't need to look at the discussion, in my opinion, about necessarily uh, de-escalating uh, from the end of the United States. It is China. It is the Chinese Communist Party that has arbitrarily arrested people like Jimmy Lai, uh, pro-democracy protesters that have instituted laws that have gone around uh, the judicial independence um, and the autonomy of Hong Kong's body of, of lawmakers. And of course, what we're seeing is it's important for your viewers to know the legislation passed overnight uh, in the National People's Congress in China um, essentially calls these freedom-loving protesters terrorists. They're using national security in order to justify violent crackdowns uh, on democracy. And so I think we'll see what President Trump and, of course, the Congress has many options. I don't want to get in front of any announcements, so we'll see what they have to say yeah. today. Well, you know, you guys, this is a big deal because Hong Kong is like the epicenter of all money in Asia. There are a lot of foreign investments in there. Now, this two party, two party, well, no, two government system thing was something that was kind of like a Band-Aid that the Clintons created. Um, interesting news also from Macau is that we found, uh, you know, the guy that was responsible, well, the people that were responsible for the murder of Kim Jong-un's brother also got murdered. Uh, we have Hong Kong not being independent because they're working with China, which is really weird. Like, how are they working with China? That's a question. And so, again, holding tongue on that, we'll see how that pans out because uh, there's a lot coming out of there. Now, having said that, I wanted to point out, Japan also has ended their coronavirus lockdown uh, with 850 deaths, and they had 850 deaths and no lockdown, and uh, there's no more coronavirus emergency for them. So I thought I'd mention that. That's pretty important, right? Now, um, shifting gears, I wanted us to talk a little bit about space. So yesterday, uh, we were supposed to be launching astronauts. Everyone was really excited. And, you know, last minute, NASA scrubbed it. Uh, it's, it was a no. And so I want you guys um, to know that even though the astronauts, 
aunts and their families said goodbyes. Elon Musk was super excited of reigniting the dream about space. I mean, uh, you know, you should listen to him speak. I actually loved, uh, you know, what he said yesterday. It was so touching for him. He's really excited. I mean, he's all for terraforming. And we're going to get into more about space because this uh, delay in the launch, there's a lot going on. Uh, last week we had, or was it a couple days ago, Virgin at uh, Virgin Galaxy tried to shoot some type of missile projectile, you know, in orbit, total fail, right? China went into space, Russia went into space. These are all factors. We'll talk about that and more right after the break. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. So here we are. We're going to talk about space, and we're going to talk about Brennan a little bit more, uh, because this is all coming into um, focus. Uh, you know, it's like, wow. Couldn't believe I didn't think. I mean, I've always said corrupt people are creatures of comfort, and they repeat the same playbook. So it was pretty interesting pinpointing that playbook and figuring it out. So before we get into that, I want you guys to hear Elon Musk and what he had to say right before uh, the launch that never happened. We want to inspire kids to say that, that one day they want to wear that uniform. They want to, want, they want to wear that spacesuit. Mm-hmm. Um, and get them fired up about, yeah, I want to be an astronaut, I want to, be, I want to work on aerospace engineering, I want to advance space flight. And I think what, the, what today is about is, is reigniting the dream of space. All right, the SpaceX founder, Elon Musk, uh, talking about how inspirational all of this is to kids. Kids understand weather. Kids might understand things getting scrubbed because of weather, and that's exactly what happened today. But it's delayed. It's not denied. They're going to try another day up for this, Saturday, 3.22 p.m. Eastern Time is uh, the next shot at this. In the meantime, I want to go to Kristen Fisher today. You might just say, all right, oh, I love Kristen. She's a great correspondent. She uh, is a wonderful anchor and all of that. <laughs> but she's also the child of astronauts, which explains why she's so snot. But she did not want to take that path. Um, she was even called in her day uh, America's first astronaut. I always loved that. Um, Kristen, I mean, uh, obviously you could hear from your parents and all as you grew older. I think you were very young, obviously, to remember their particular flights. But this is more routine than you think, huh? It really is more routine than you think. And, you know, my dad actually scrubbed twice before he finally launched into space Hmm. on the space shuttle. And just think about how disappointing it must be for these astronauts. He always talked about it because just think, you wake up in crew quarters, you're all excited, you have your, your last breakfast, so to speak, you leave crew quarters, you wave goodbye to your family, you do this dramatic drive to the launch pad, and then you wait for hours and hours and hours, and then you scrub, and you have to do it all over again. So as disappointed as I am, as you are, everybody watching, and of course, NASA, SpaceX, and President Trump, and the vice president who made the trip down from Washington, D.C. to be there at this launch today, I can almost guarantee you that no one is more disappointed than Doug Hurley and Bob Bankin, and they will try again on Saturday. But, you know, certainly it was the right call. There is no way that NASA or SpaceX was going to allow this first launch of American astronauts from U.S. soil to be dangerous in any 
way. In fact, the uh, COO of SpaceX, Neil, she went so far in her, in her effort to really try to humanize uh, the very technical steps in terms of building this spacecraft and getting ready to get to this point today. She put the pictures of the two NASA astronauts on a lot of SpaceX work orders to remind employees uh, of just what was at stake. So disappointing, but no doubt the right call. So they scrubbed it because of weather. Well, there's, um, there's other things that we have missed. So, uh, just so you know that NASA's head of human spaceflight actually resigned just before the historic launch. And that's a very big deal if you think about it, you know, that, um, he would resign just before it and, uh, you know, he, he resigned on May 18th, you guys. And so he was against the launch and that makes it really bizarre as to what is really going on. Uh, March 25th, the office of the inspector general announced, um, an audit of NASA's acquisition strategy for the Artemis missions to include landing astronauts on the moon by 2024. So this is a big, big deal. Because uh, NASA Administrator Jim Blestein on Wednesday um, had, well, before before Wednesday, right, um, named Douglas Lavaro's agency's new Associate Administrator for the Human Exploration Operations Mission Directorate. Now, this is, the, what's going on is um, pretty interesting because we've had a lot of nations kind of um, really push forward to going into space. And the question is Why? Why are they going so fast and headfirst into space? So I thought there's this guy um, who is, uh, you know, a big space aficionado that I subscribe to. His name is Scott Manley. He had uh, some really good p points of view that I want you guys to hear. I want you to hear what he had to say about uh, the human spaceflight um you know, why he resigned right before the historic launch. I want you to take a listen to this. Bombshell over at NASA. Doug Lavero, the Associate Administrator for Human Exploration and Operations at NASA, uh, resigned uh, on Monday. And this is a pretty big deal, considering it was just over a week ahead of DM2, the return of crewed spaceflight to the space station from U.S. soil. So, yeah, Doug was head of human spaceflight, and he was due to chair the flight readiness review meeting on Thursday and Friday. The official statement that NASA offered was kind of bland, basically saying that he had resigned effective uh, May 18th. Yeah, and there was some nice stuff about how he hit the ground running and has made significant progress in his time at NASA and his leadership has moved us closer to accomplishing our goal of launching the first woman and the next man to the moon in 2024. That didn't offer many clues as to what actually happened, the reasoning behind this, and there weren't many details from other sources, so there has been a lot of speculation as to what specifically transpired by people who are more familiar with NASA's internal politics uh, than I am. Now, Doug, he also issued a statement which is a little more telling. Our mission is certainly not easy, nor for the faint of heart, and risk-taking is part of the job description, he wrote. 
The risks we take, whether technical, politi political or personal, have potential consequences if we judge them incorrectly. I took such a risk earlier in the year because I judged it necessary to fulfil our mission. Now, over the balance of time, it is clear that I made a mistake in that choice for which I alone must bear the consequences. And therefore, it is with very, very heavy heart that I write to you today and let you know that I have resigned from NASA effective May 18th, 2020. So, it was a mistake on his part but still no clues as to what exactly happened. Now, some reports cite sources that say the forced resignation was related to violations of procurement policies. Since Doug arrived at NASA, the biggest event that he was directly responsible for was the selection of the human landing system for the Artemis program. I covered this in a video earlier in the month. There were five proposals for the spacecraft to deliver humans to the lunar surface. The three finalists who were awarded funding for the next stage were SpaceX, Dynetics and Blue Origin. There were proposals from Boeing and Vivace which were both rejected. Now about a month earlier, NASA's Office of Inspector General announced an audit of NASA's acquisition strategy for the Artemis program. And it's entirely possible that something came to light during this that led to the resignation. The most plausible explanation is that Doug provided some help to companies bidding on the HLS contracts, probably Boeing, perhaps supplying information on other competitors. Why? Why would he do this? Well, Doug was brought in to help make that 2024 target for Artemis possible. And that's a tall order. It requires lots of things to happen very quickly and on time and, and with no flaws. And of all the human landing system proposals, there was one which was sold as being the quickest and simplest, and it probably was, but it wasn't the one selected. The three winning HLS proposals all require multiple launches on commercial launch vehicles to deliver the vehicle and the fuel to lunar orbit. However, it's known that Boeing's proposal would have used SLS Block 1B with the X upgraded exploration upper stage, and that would deliver the lander to lunar orbit on a single launch. The crew in an Orion spacecraft could then meet the lander, which could then take them to the surface and then return to orbit, leaving the descent stage on the lunar surface. So when you put this proposal side by side with the alternatives, it's easy to see why many people would have wanted this to win. It was an obvious choice if your goal is meeting this 2024 deadline. However, Boeing was eliminated early on, likely due to cost, since it would have used, wouldn't have used commercial launch vehicles and it would have required accelerating development of the SLS exploration upper stage. So put yourself in Doug's shoes. If the number one goal is the deadline, then you'd want the fastest and easiest option to win. And that would likely be Boeing. Now, I know Boeing has had a lot of problems lately and a lot of accusations of special treatment by NASA. But even I would agree that reprioritizing SLS Block 1B and putting a two-stage lander on it has fewer technical unknowns and risks compared to the other options. However, it's likely that it would have been much more expensive than the other options, which is probably what led to its early elimination. And maybe Boeing's price tag was partly a result of overestimating the, what the other proposals would bid and overestimating the value brought by their simpler proposal and reputation. So maybe, and this is entirely hypothetical, maybe Doug felt that for the good of the program, Boeing needed to know that they had to lower their bid and get competitive. Maybe there was some other sharing between bidders in the hope that NASA would be able to select the proposal most in line with their remit. 
But any information sharing during the bidding process would have violated NASA procurement rules, which are designed to keep the processes fair. So if something like this happened and the Inspector General found out, it would be the kind of thing that would trigger a resignation. We don't know for now. We might find out more later, or we might not. If there were problems with the bidding process, we might have some legal action challenging the results. It's possible that nobody is lawyering up at this time, because uh, the perceived advantage was conferred only upon Boeing, who lost. Or it might equally be an indication that everyone is wrong about this whole thing. We do know that this resignation was nothing to do with the upcoming commercial crew flight. And as of right now, the launch has passed the Flight Readiness Review Board, which stretched from Thursday into Friday. And it saw a successful static fire of the booster. As I speak, there's a 40% chance of weather violation, but we're still a few days away and the predictions could go either way. I'm hoping to have a live stream with footage provided by a team on the ground near the launch, so watch for that. Now, I love this guy. I watch his stuff all the time, um, you know, and he analyzed it perfectly, didn't he? Shenanigans going on. You know, remember, this guy was appointed six months ago and resigned. So uh, here's here's the back, though, what we don't pay attention to. So I want you guys to know that the um, Iranian... Um, Guard talked about a secret space satellite program at the end of April. And uh, IRDC launched its first satellite into space on April 22nd, 2020. Um, and that was a big deal because it explains what experts have been saying that they've been developing other things. Now, they put a satellite into space. Now, I'm going to leave it right there for now because we're going to revisit this satellite, uh, you know, um, <laughs> we're going to revisit that later because this is, a, this is a very, 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 very big deal. Um, and I've also mentioned how Brennan has assured and has moved a lot of our emergency management communications into foreign satellites. So I want you guys to keep that in mind. Um, as as uh, time continues, because uh, this has a lot to do with the start agreement that Russia was complaining about last year that we still haven't discussed. Right. We haven't discussed it formally with them at all. And, uh, you know, we're putting out crews um, Russia uh, on um, May 22nd uh, actually launched uh, a rocket uh, with um, EKS for missile early warning. Uh, satellite uh, from uh, Pleshtek. Uh, and so, you know, everyone's launching stuff into space really quickly. Uh, we have, um, you know, Russia actually tested their anti-satellite missile. And, you know, obviously we're not happy about it. They tested that in April. Okay. So look, April, Russia launches an anti-satellite missile, um, you know, and Space Force is like, really like, what are you doing? And Russia's like, yo, you know, we haven't been talking about, you know, uh, start agreements, you know, where nukes are going to be raining down. This is a problem. And, you know, them fi firing it, I'm, I'm like, okay, we have to be impartial. Look, they're a country too, and they're looking after their own people, right? 
So they're going to be doing what they're going to be doing since no one's talking about, hey, are we having an agreement on nukes in space? No one's talking about it. So they're like, all right, how do we like take out satellites? Let's see if this works, you know, because they're worried about it. And I understand Space Force's stance, you know, because I'm an American and I'm America first. Yo, you're testing this stuff out. Are you looking to like take out our satellites? And they're like, no, man, we're just defending ourselves. So this is kind of a, this is a little bit iffy because uh, Space Force had spotted um, you know, Russian satellites following a U.S. spy satellite, uh, you know, which, you know, made our amazing General Raymond say, you know, you know, the timing's a little bit weird and we're a little bit concerned about it. Right. Um, so that happened. And then China, just so you know, on May 5th announced that they're planning to send four crewed four crewed manned space missions um, and a, a bunch of uh, another four cargo craft to complete work on their permanent space station within the next two years. And so um, they made this announcement um, that they're going to be pushing uh, to run, you know, and rival the U.S., Europe, and Russia. Now, Europe's space system, you don't hear a lot about it, but they've been actually very, very busy after the creation of Space Force. And so Europe's space program is odd. Now, one thing people don't know is that uh, China actually earlier, just a few months back, sent their first, you know, landing thing on the dark side of the moon. Okay. And um, that was a, that's a pretty big thing. Okay. Uh, They're planning to send out rovers to Mars this July. Um, so, you know, that's a big deal. Um, you know, the China's new spacecraft that they had been putting out and developed for human spaceflight was to get to the moon, take pictures of the moon. So everyone's rushing into space. Now, I'm all for taking advantage of the, of space to mine asteroids for things, for heavy metals, precious metals. You know, that's a really big uh, market. And a lot of us think that it's something that um, doesn't happen, yet it does. <laughs> so, uh, you know, this is... Um, uh, I don't want to say touchy-ish, but this is a very big deal, uh, you know, space. And I, I, I think um, we're all starting to realize that slowly. Now, it's unfortunate that we didn't get to deploy and launch yesterday. Hopefully, it'll happen uh, on Saturday. That's what everyone is looking for. Um, but, you know, uh, things happen. And there's a lot happening. And so we just have to be patient to see it. But I want you guys to know that the, 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 the whole space thing is not something to be like, oh, okay, whatever. It's just outer space. We've been there for a while. Um, have to be careful. Um, uh, we've, there's more to space than we know uh, in the public sphere. And how long? So the fact that, you know, we say we want to put people on the moon in 2024 is odd. Um, Mars, I get, um, but that's odd too. <laughs> and China's just 
taken, you know, a big leap by going on the dark side of the moon. And the fact that we don't have a relationship with them uh, is a problem. Uh, You know, it could get territorial. Um, The I'm going to end it with space is very vast. So you have to be very daft to think that there's nothing there. Okay. I'm just going to end it with that because you have to see that the, the, the selling of our space national security programs that Barack Hussein Obama did was a big deal. Uh, space is vast and um, it is um, important for us to know how vast it is. Remember back in 2018, we had a lot of satellites fall right? And we need space for our ability to to maintain our national security. And what we saw is that Barack Hussein Obama killed NASA, basically, to prevent, you know, any domination of space. And um, that was done purposely as as agreements that we are not aware of um, had Uh, occurred with other nations. Uh, You know, there were nuke deals. There were, where did our NASA tech go? You have to think. This OIG investigation may push out more. Uh, You know, why SpaceX came up and why we lost our dominance. You know, why Iran has been sending, you know, satellites out into space, um, without our knowledge, how North Korea has done it. Those are, those are, those are questions we should all be asking. Now, a story that I'm hoping to publish as soon as I can, because I have to, again, make sure that the information I put doesn't put me in an awkward position. Um, I want you guys to remember that um, the OPM uh, had, which is the Office of Personnel Management, had shut down Equip in June of 2015. This is just a couple weeks after uh, the OIG of the State Department requested a separate server, a uh, separate network, so that they can have secrecy. And that was on the heels, as you read from my article, um, when Hillary Clinton was being demanded to provide emails. And the thing that, that Linux did so carefully with Carrie was obfuscate and delay the release of any emails they had of hers uh, because they were migrating them over to this secret network so no one has access to it. Now, they had already started doing it and creating this network and harboring and putting up firewalls like he admitted himself uh, during his testimony. And they actually used uh, fiscal year 2016 funds to pay work that was done in 2015. So... Um, coupled with that, we saw that Equip was um, offline. And uh, the reason they said that they shut it down, now Equip, just so you guys know, is the system that's used where people fill out, you know, um, paperwork for clearances. Uh, 
So, you know, you, it's the SF 86 process, um, that you go through. It's a document you fill out. It's for your background check, um, to work and get clearances. Either that be a Charlie clearance, like for just regular public C clearance, uh, to secret, to top secret, to compartmentalize everything, right? Now, OPM had admitted in June that tens of millions of background investigation reports were lost in a cyber breach that they said had originated from China. Now, a lot of you are going to be like, wait a minute, I don't remember that. Some of you might say, oh, yeah, I kind of remember that. Now, what's weird is, is that this hack supposedly happened six months prior to them shutting the system down. So... And, and, you know, it was down for four to six weeks. So nobody could be cleared. There were no uh, procedures in place, which also created the need for a company that General Jones and General Hayden created, which is called ClearForce. And that is when they became dominant on uh, conducting background checks on people without the equip process that they have, their system. So now they partner with them. So they've integrated with this private company that is, uh, you know, part of the cabal on um, vetting and verifying and, and, and people. And this company was actually employed on vetting every single one of the political appointees that President Trump put forward uh, from the beginning of his presidency. Uh, so many of them had their feet dragged in all agencies to be appointed, to be put into positions. And one would have to wonder why. Because these companies don't just look at your criminal background or your debt or you know, your family and, you know, are you an agent and stuff like that. They look at your social media, your medical records, uh, dental records, education records, your your kids' education, everything about you is on there. Now, these background investigation reports that were lost, right, in in the cyber breach (laughs) were not lost. They weren't all applications of people that were working but people that had applied and failed or that couldn't make the cut or that withdrew their applications or anything. Now, that reminded me of the whole passport scandal. I was asked to remove passports off a system. And then months later, it was claimed to be a breach, to be a problem, right, with, um, you know, hacking. And I was just like, it's not hacking because I was asked to do it. And then equip. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. (laughs) Wait a minute. So were you telling me that Brennan actually did the same thing again, that he made it look like a hack in order to get information? Is this how they started in December of 2014? Those over collections? Because they were highly specific. So it was the Chinese, huh? It's always those darn Chinese, isn't it? Those Chinese that the Democrats have had in their pocket forever and a day. Interesting. So I'm going to be putting that out very soon. You know, that hack also helped not only on spying and using private companies for clearance, but more. God bless. See you tomorrow.